Welcome to The Great Conversation, where ideas matter. They can shape markets, and perhaps they can change the world. We have two guys who are world changers in their own sphere of influence, Tim Wenzel and Jonathan Harris. Uh, and I, I got to tell you, I just enjoy these guys, and we always have a great conversation, and it's always unscripted, and I'm always throwing curveballs at them. Uh, so... Uh, both of these guys have been heavily involved in something called enterprise security risk management. And I just asked them, why in the hell should I care about enterprise security risk management? Sorry about the uh, profane word in there, but why should I care? So I, I can go first, Tim. I think, uh, I, I think the, it's, it's like asking anybody, like, why should I care about taking a shower? Like, you don't really have to care about it, but it's a good idea if you do. <laughs> so let me expand upon that. So, so I mean, it's like, it's like hygiene for your business. It's, it's understanding the way things operate um, and, and how you can extrapolate the most value out of your security program. So it gets, well, and I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and then we'll come back. Cause I think, you know, Tim wants to hop in here, but, the 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 buzz term of ESRM, or I say the topic has been has been um, turned into a buzz term that gets thrown around like this magical elixir that you can sprinkle on to your organization, and then overnight, voila, your security program is magic, and and, and so we have to rip that that away and and get to like the the like really the core of it which is understand your business figure out what matters to your business and plug your security program into the the, the things that it makes money from and and like i don't think that anything does that from a security perspective better than esrm when you apply the framework at its simplest level so, so that's my maybe elongated answer, but, but Mr. Wenzel, please intervene. That was awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing that shower line today. <laughs> I have three more meetings left in my day. I am going to talk about taking a shower in every meeting. Well, Tim, you got it, man. Tim, Tim, I don't know about you, but I'm just, you, I'm just so happy he used shower instead of some other uh, aspect in, uh, <laughs> in that area. It's so, got me thinking. It's yeah. a transformational question. Um, <clears throat> so I'd actually like to come back um, maybe uh, in a few minutes to what John was saying about the pixie dust elixir of ESRM um, because that's actually a deeper rooted problem within the security industry than just an ESRM problem. But why should you care? Well, who are you? Uh, if you're a security professional, you should care because it gives you a model, a systematic, a systematic model to understand the business whom you serve. And if you're on the business side of things, you should care because ESRM uh, implemented correctly will become a quality assurance model that you're invited to participate in. And so on either side, if you have ever not gotten the most bang for your buck out of security, or if you've sat in the meeting confused about why the feedback you're receiving is this, or why security says, well, you just don't understand security. Uh, ESRM is for you. 
because it makes, as John was saying, security professionals think about why they are doing these things, and then they can explain that to the business and receive feedback as a gift because now we're designing together. It's not a, well, you did it this way and I don't like it. And, and in the security industry coming from government, we're used to confrontational conversations where when we're curious and we tell the business why it is we're doing the things to enable the business and they give us feedback, now we're engaged in a conversation on expectations and, and making sure that we're aligned and understanding what the business is and how we can serve it. Um, and it's actually the fastest, most productive way to create relationships that get us both to where we want to end up. Wow, that's, that's really profound. And I, I got to tell you what the basis of my question, right? The basis of my question is I'm deeply suspicious of models, methodologies, practices, because I, I believe over time we get stuck in them. There's rules and mores associated with them and it stifles innovation. But you just, you both anchored something that was really profound. And that, no, it's none of that, Ron. This is actually a framework to start a conversation, Jonathan, so why can understand the business? I can understand the metrics that matter to the business. I can plug that back into the business through my security uh, actions. And at the end of the day, create value, or as you said, Jonathan, make money. And I love, uh, I love Tim where you said you should care because you're the one across the table, Mr. Businessman. You're the one across the table who said, I don't get how security makes me money. So why don't you become part of the quality assurance model that does make money? So I love those two actions. Tell me about your experiences now with secure, oh, Tim's holding up a finger. You can't see it because this is an audio cast, but go ahead. No, and I think this is a great time to talk about the pixie dust, right? So okay. here is the source of confusion, discontent, and mistrust between security departments and the business. Uh, Ron and John, did you guys both go to college? Yes, I did. I did. When you got out of college and you entered the workforce, were you surprised that you thought you knew how to do things, but when you did them, they didn't turn out right? I'll say, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, so, so you think you know more than you know, and when you first, I think, deploy that, that knowledge, um, and it doesn't work exactly the way you, you hoped or thought, yes, especially when you're a rookie. So security management is born out of government service, law enforcement, and the military. None of those actually produce revenue or value of any kind to any organization because they are a function of law and executive order. And so historically, when security people get to a business, we don't understand what this value is. We're awaiting our orders and we don't understand why there's so much friction. And then convergence happens and we're like, amazing, totally makes sense if everybody just reports to one person, that fixes it. That doesn't fix it. It's a framework. And if you look at ESRM and you see that pretty little cycle with a couple circles and you're like, oh, amazing, that fixes it. It doesn't fix it. It helps you formulate your thought process in a manner that is productive. 
And that is the biggest thing that the security industry is missing is a productive mindset to interact with the business. Does that make sense? It certainly does. Jonathan? You agree yeah, with that? yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I, mean, I think you, you, you unearthed something very significant and, and that's the, um, the mindset of the security industry as a enforcement agency versus a business function. And, and that gets at the very core of the, how people get wrapped around the axle of, of, of like applying ESRM or, 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 or any like, um, you know, like business improvement, continuous improvement organization. So, so when I first like found my path towards ESRM, it was really a, a kind of, com kind of, um, confluence of trying to figure out how to use Six Sigma continuous improvement on compliance and grappling with like the manufacturing engineering business improvement process and, and how can I make that work um, for security? Um, and then like kind of falling into the ESRM framework for during a business continuity workshop and saying, Oh, this this kind of is speaking the same language, and being able to pull that together, and um, and really removing from my we'll call it customer facing um, security dialogue any security language, and so really talking business language. So so I, I threw a lot out there, but that, that's kind of you know pulling what what that transformation from because um, because if you if you think like enforcement, you get treated like enforcement. So, so what I mean by that is that one, there's a, there's an adversarial relationship that shows up automatically because it's the business and you're, you're enforcing rules on the business versus um, enabling the business. And more importantly, that's not your role in the business that belongs to HR and legal. Um, mm -hmm. So you hit on an important point, John, and, and this gets to another big gap with security. I myself uh, got into security from the medical field. I was a paramedic. I worked in hospitals and on ambulances, and I diagnosed problems for a living. That's all I do, problem-solving assessment. And when I got into the security industry, I brought that mindset of, well, this doesn't make sense. Why are we doing these things? What is the process? There is usually no process. It's just what we've done before. And I started applying that, and then a mentor of mine, Ray O'Hara, said, actually, there's a name for that. And he started introducing me to the cycle of ESRM, which actually fit in really nicely with my previous business acumen in healthcare. But what happens when you don't bring a previous business acumen into security mm -hmm. or you don't fall into an organization that has established processes and business acumen that's enforced? And there's a lot of organizations, especially when you get into the tech sector um, and in uh, startups, that has very little uh, structure to build off of. Well, first of all, you're, you're touching on something. Let's, you know, you, you know me and root causes, right? So if we, let's, let's step out of the term ESRM for a second. How many people do you run across who know how to articulate a concept? So 
So what, what's really interesting, you know, there, there's a reason we call this the great conversation. The great conversation is a, a term stolen from philosophers and scientists and historians describing the human experience of thoughts and ideas over time. So how, you know, if you get into a construct of trying to understand a problem or an opportunity, what is that mental construct you use? And then if the construct of exploring that uh, becomes a readiness model, a readiness for innovation, a readiness for change, a readiness of an incident, which is the epitome of change. What is that mindset you can bring to the table that breaks that down and allows you to take action on it in a clear way? So what um, I found, Jonathan, when you were talking, I was, I was just laughing. I, I think about, think about the, uh, that Jonathan says, I brought I brought my TQM, I brought my uh, quality assurance model, I brought my Six Sigma, I brought all these things together in this great confluence, and now I'm dealing with ESRM. And how, and how, and how does this ERS, ESRM model uh, 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 come up against these other models I've worked with in the past? So what I just heard from both of you is you're bringing a mindset in which to explore opportunities and problems and challenges with your customer, the business. And you translate yeah. the data back into programs and initiatives and tools that help them with risk, their risk. Yeah, and I, and I think you, know, you, you, you leaded that off with, you know, how do you articulate the concept? And I think part of that is there's some, some basic maybe behavioral or personality characteristics that I think have to be present in order to embrace this methodology um, of uh, what, 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 what I, I think um, what really ends up being uh, a kind of an exploratory based, um, you know, curiosity based mechanism, meaning that it's not fixed. You don't you know, print the paper and say, here are, here's our plan and, and you're done. It's, um, I have a theory. My theory is that um, these are the issues. And if we apply these countermeasures, we'll address the problems. And if the issues change or the, or the baseline changes, we need to review them. Um, and we should probably run scenarios and we should look forward um, into the future and, and run it, you know, kind of experiments and see how things, um, you know, uh, uh, are going to play out if we, if this happens. So if then scenarios and, and are our CC um, um, valid? So, you know, testing our, our thesis on whatever it is we're coming up with. So let me go a little bit further on that thought. You, you say, okay, we're, if we had an emergency, like maybe a pandemic, and these things happen, we're going to counter them with these activities and protect what we've identified as the most valuable areas of the business. Well, how do we know if that's gonna work? We won't, but let's test it out and do a tabletop or do a conversation, a discussion around it and see what happens. And then based on the information that you get, you then course correct or adjust or whatever. And then the reassessment process goes into 
you know, whether it's annually or, you know, it, it's, it's annually and every day, in my opinion, because, or whatever your business cadence is. So if you're in a, in a high cycle business where the environment changes, you know, monthly, then you need to be reassessing it on a monthly basis. If, if you're a more of a slower cycle business, um, but you're getting incident feedback daily, that needs to be incorporated. Um, but I see it as, as more of like a, a science project. This is, this is exploratory. And I think that's getting back to what Tim said earlier about a, a, a typical kind of generalization of our, of our organization uh, or our industry rather. Um, I, think, I think that perspective can be uncommon and I wouldn't attribute it solely to whether you've been in the government or not, whether you've been in the military or not, because you look at some uh, amazing government leaders, um, uh, military leaders like Stan McChrystal, um, who is talking about these concepts in his books like Team of Teams and, and how they operated and, and executed, um, you know, the, the missions that they did under his command. You look at uh, the Coast Guard has this amazing project that they did. Uh, I shared this with Tim the other day about um, a, a future scenario development project that they that they launched in 1998 it was called project longview back then and now it's called project evergreen where they did scenario based future projection to try to um contemplate what the future coast guard needed to look like so you have government agencies federal agencies military bodies doing these things too but so but it's not i, I think it's the exception not the rule i would say in our well, industry it's the same thing you have Groups doing it, but it's the exception, not the rule. Groups doing it, right? So that's done at the upper echelons, not on the masses level. And, and government is a massive uh, construct. And and you hit on a, a very important point. You are thinking about and adjusting for the changing environment and business cli uh, climate. Whereas in government, to a large degree, the environment and climate is set by law. So while certain things may change the way we do things because it's the law doesn't change. And that's where that, that competency trap comes into play. This has always worked out in these environments, but you, you're think you're realizing that it's always been done in a government studio and now you're in a different world and this is why things don't work out and you're not used to having that quick quality control. You know, it's so funny. Um, I think we're, I think we're really hard on our people in this ecosystem. Yeah, again, I've, I've stood outside the security uh, industry. I, I've been fully embedded in it for 20 years, but uh, I started for 20 years in business. And I, I, I can tell you, it holds true no matter where you go, that people aren't that disciplined in breaking down how people perform roles in a process, using tools, testing the velocity, the quality, the quantity, not doing that very well. It isn't a strength in business. It really isn't. So I think we're a little hard on security who didn't come from business in the first place. Uh, uh, but they have, like you just pointed out with McChrystal, we have people out there who haven't come from business who uniquely are qualified to break it down look at the opportunities and develop programs that allow them to uh, become more valuable. So, so if that is the case, if I'm right, that you're not unique, 
what do you believe is it's going to take right now in your industry to help make this the lingua franca, uh, the, the lingua franca of the land, the language of the land? How do we help this industry develop the mindset and the framework uh, to not be afraid of measuring, uh, not be afraid of hypotheses that may fail, which is just a, a new data set that helps for corrective action? How are we going to do that in your opinion? You're the next generation. How are we going to do that? Well, I think we have to realize the difference between an assessment and a checklist. Um, and when people look at convergence, they see a checklist. When people look at ESRM, they initially see a checklist. Oh, do these steps repeat? Do these steps repeat? But it's the mindset, it's the thought process that it instills is the lessons you learn that you push back into that process every time you repeat it. And now you're not starting at the same baseline. You're not answering the same questions. You're answering more informed questions in collaboration with a more informed business partner. And you're setting expectations and you're, like John said, doing trial runs and seeing how it works out. And you're talking to the business. You're being a little bit vulnerable. And, 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 and security's biggest hiccup has been that we're a bunch of type A people or it used to be an amazing. And when we get to a place where we receive criticism, we take it as a threat rather than an invitation to create. That's what I think. Jonathan? I, I agree with everything that, that Tim said. And I, and I think to, to add to that, um, I, I think one of the challenges too is that the, the ecosystem of the security industry um, with, so, so I don't know that there's another industry that at least I've participated in where you have this dichotomy between service provider, manufacturer, integrator, end user. So what I mean by that is you have this group of people who are, who are um, you know, the, the end user and kind of that group of individuals who are managing the programs, who are accountable for the, for the risk, who are in there kind of in the business helping them to be successful. And then everyone who's creating the, the tools and, and, and providing them services and whose business it is to make money off them. So an, an interesting point that like, if you go to uh, the, the book, Good to Great, um, they talk about technology of it, in and of itself can't take a company from mediocre to greatness. It can be an enabler, but it can't be that thing that pivots it. I think we rely too extensively on technology is going to be the next big thing that moves us. So like, oh, facial recognition is going to change the industry and make it all easier. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, automate everything, you know, AI, um, you know, just like whatever the next thing is. So, and then conversely, our industry is very risk adverse. And so we don't want to try new technology. But we're banking on it to, to move us to that next, next place. I think that the fundamental aspect is kind of putting technology aside, saying that'll help us get there, but we need to create a, a structure. Um, and I think ESRM is that structure that allows a security organization within a company to say, um, this is how I translate my value into the business. And in order to do that, we really have to embrace the fact that we are part of the business. And we're not an envelope around the business. Um, we're not a bulletproof jacket, 
we're, we're right there. We're an internal organ. You know, we're inside um, the, the, the critical mass of the business. And, um, and, and, you know, we don't have to wait for an invitation or um, some sort of leadership authorization to start operating as a high value, high performing group. Um, you can, you can just start. And um, cause if you're, I'll give you an example. So if you're a, you know, small security organization within a company, you're, you're managing access control, you know, you're, you're providing security officers. Um, you can decide to say, I'm going to go visit with whoever's going to talk to me and ask them what's most important to them. And they may say no, but maybe one or two say yes. And so you go to your shipping and receiving folks and say, hey, I'm with security. Um, I want to know how to better help you. So what matters to you? Like who, you may have a jerk who says, go pound sand, or you could have someone to say, hey, go talk to Bobby. You know, I'm too busy. I'm the manager, but Bobby's worked here for 30 years. Bobby will tell you what really matters. In a 10 minute conversation, you can probably acquire from Bobby everything that's really important in shipping and receiving. And then look at what you're doing from security to help shipping and receiving, do the gap analysis, come up with an idea of what you can do better and test it out. And in 20 minutes, you know, you've now done more than you've probably done in 10 years of just standing back and managing your new technology and hoping that you can, you know, get new budget to add security cameras next year. Well, and taking a step further, so you have that access control system and say you're doing a new one, say you're auditing an existing one to refine it, who creates the identities for the company? It's, it's probably HR. They're the ones that are saying, these are the types of people we bring in, here are the types of jobs they do in these locations. Uh, so it may be great to say, hey, uh, we need to confirm identities so we can create appropriate access for people around the company. Um, and now that we're connecting access to identity, we should probably bring in legal to talk about any legal uh, issues that come up. And they may say, well, I don't understand. Let's have a meeting. So HR, you know who's being hired. HR, you know who's being fired. You know who is having all of these issues. And we need to be able to protect the company by uh, opening up access and shutting down access in a timely manner. And, and what happened, you know, HR, what are you worried about from a workplace violence uh, specific issue, right? What types of issues are you tracking that you worry about? How can we assist you in managing access or, or any of these other programs that security runs to help create a more holistic, secure approach for this workplace? And that conversation goes really well almost every time because legal and HR, they see the value and they're like, well, what about this? Let's do this project first, but now we have to talk about all of these other things that security does. And here's the thing. Don't be afraid of legal. Another reason we get a bad rap is because we implement policies and response plans, and then sometimes they end up in the news. And then legal says, hey, what was this? And you're like, amazing. Why? Well, go to legal and just say, here's how we propose we deal with security issues. Do you see any problems? Uh, a lot of times they'll say, this looks pretty good, although we would like to understand this better. Uh, we're going to bring in the comms team so that if this happens, we have a streamlined notification system so we can get the company ahead of all these things. Like, 
these very simple conversations that cover you, they authenticate your processes and they create relationships. And now you're ahead of the game. And now when something goes wrong with your security response that was vetted by HR and legal and comms, it's not just you sitting there. It's a group of professionals within the business saying, let's make this better. You know, it's, uh, I um, got off the phone a few minutes ago with a chief security officer of a hospital and, uh, and he was talking about not only the collaboration across functionally, but he is also talking about team, the power of a team. And uh, those kind of, you know, I've heard you now, both of you talk about relationships formed from the data inquiry that you're using the we'll call it the interview and uh and how you act as kind of a hub a connector to other parts of the organization security since it overlaps with many of these different functions can play a connector role on how they all play together that's what i'm hearing and and here's where that government mindset can actually serve us well we talk about force multipliers in the military and in the government, what little bit can we add that makes the entire operation better? And that's what we should be. That's our business value. And um, when we get to the point to where legal and HR uh, get pulled into new initiatives and they say, hold on, uh, we need to bring security in because they have a part to play because they always help us with the reaction, the response of these types of issues. That's where the win, that's the proverbial seat at the table, right? When the business recognizes that you play a role in almost every aspect of their operations and bringing you in sooner so that your plans can align with their goals, it's magic. So when you two who get involved in, I believe, in um, courseware, ESRM courseware, you help teach at ASIS, you conduct seminars, um, what what do you take them through that allows them, Jonathan, to be a consultant, to be a true consultant and uh, with a framework that pulls this together and starts earning trust within the enterprise in that connector role? How do you walk them through that? I would say, you know, the first thing is that we want to impart upon them like this isn't a quick hit um, overnight type of uh, activity um, that that this takes time to uh, to implement um, but it also can be started quickly so it's understanding that there's a long view but there's an immediacy to it and um, you know, it's one of those, there's no perfect time to start or the old adage, like, I, I think it's a, um, uh, 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 I forget the origin of the phrase, you know, the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, the next best time is today, right? So, um, you know, it's a similar adage is like, just get moving and here's some ways you can start immediately. So, so Tim and I have done a few um, uh, webinars and other series where we talk about, here's some things you can start doing today. And, and so pulling back to my, you know, my discussion a minute ago about, you know, finding some um, folks to go talk to and just start having conversations with them and find out what they value. Those are things you can do immediately. So 
Um, you know, it's no different from when you're taking over a new organization and you're looking to get that first 90 day payoff and find that break even point, find the, find the easy early win. So if you already have good relationships with folks, you know, those are the kind of things you target, but, but, you know, more strategically, it's don't overcomplicate it either. You know, we really tried to distill it down to the, 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 the general concepts of, figure out what matters for your business, figure out how security interacts with the things that matter, and then figure out how you protect or, or you know, mitigate risk or, or whatever is the uh, objective. And I guess that, that leads back to kind of a more uh, even bigger point is that you got to set, in my opinion, and this is kind of bigger than ESRM, so it's more just like um, business strategy, you have to have a clear mission and vision for your organization and don't let the absence of a bigger mission and vision from your company get in the way of you having a mission and vision for security. So, so, you're, and so that I want, so, so, you're, you're, so you're telling me that in your ESRM course, you teach them how to come up with a vision and mission statement and then the program behind it, because that's a two day so, course in itself, right? Yeah. So, so, no, not exactly. We would, we would, you know, send them to other, I think, uh, you know, strategic management and, uh, uh, um, you know, organizational development experts, but I will point them to the fact that you got to know where you're headed and you got to be able to succinctly articulate that vision to your team. And ideally your team is participatory in the creation of that mission and vision um, and make ESRM a part of that. And now you have the opportunity or the potential for things to move quickly and be, and be pretty great. And so from, from my perspective, when, when I was working that out with my organization um, uh, many years ago, I put it on to my team and say, Hey, you know, like, like we need, I was I was inspired reading a, a author by the name of John Gordon, um, who, who writes a lot of uh, maybe self help books is, is too <laughs> of a short shift for him, but a lot of organizational like like team development leadership books, and he he writes a lot on the power of positivity, and he had this one book about the positive uh, power of the positive leader, and you know, really impressing like you know. You, you, you got to have a vision and a mission and have your team help you. Cause if you just go to them and say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. They're all going to say, okay, but are they really going to get it? So, so that was part of it. And then, and then we, we embedded the concepts of ESRM into that in order to make sure it was, you know, purpose built and had a part of the DNA of our organization. Um, and that was like a two or three day process. So this wasn't some like, let's go do an offsite and, and you know you know spend hours and days whiteboarding um if we had the time to do that we probably would have but we didn't we just got my you know shoved everybody into my office and and said hey let's spend a couple hours you know figuring out what we want to do and how we want to get better and and add value to the business so um but so, so i think that that becomes like a little footnote in our in our discussions is you know everyone's got to be on the bus and everyone's got to know why they're there um, because if you just run off on your own as the leader saying, here we go, ESRM, and, and 
And, and even I never, I would say, I never went to my executive team and said, hey, we're implementing ESRM because I would have spent more time trying to explain to them what ESRM was than saying like, hey, I'm gonna spend a few times talking to some of the people in your organization so I can get to know um, a little bit more about what you value and how I can help you. Cool, yeah. go ahead. It is, you, it is you interesting. You wanna explain ESRM in five minutes? Here's what we think we do for you, but I think we can do better. How can we do better? Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I've, I've heard so many debates and discussions on ERM versus ESRM and confusion around that. that and, 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 and so I, I, I actually had a breath of fresh air today because I didn't hear ERM br brought up once. I mean, it was just, it's just getting so old. Um, what I heard is a framework in which to develop relationships understand really what's going on with their risks and their opportunities and translate that programmatically. That's what I heard from you two today. Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, is the security industry is an underdeveloped industry. We're not a profession, we're a trade. Uh, so we have not developed good common practices that can drop in different business models um, because those are actually practices that develop a mindset. Just like in the medical field, you can assess cancer patients, you can assess trauma patients, you can assess all of these different environments with a common assessment that helps you understand. And it works both ways. Right. Not all ERM programs see the significance in security as its own brand of risk. And so they often don't speak to that and allow for the uniqueness of security issues. And us as security providers, we don't always see how we fit into the business. So I don't think they fight at all. I think they're a cohesive unit just recognizing security as a unique risk discipline. And Ron, I think you brought this up earlier and, and I want to maybe kind of correlated to what Tim just said, we are really hard on our industry, I think. Um, and that's because there's so much potential in our industry to be so exponentially amazing. Um, and we see pockets of it. Um, and and there's, there's organizations and there's companies and there's service providers and there's people out there who are relentless in their ability and willingness and, and gumption to try to make things better and move the industry forward. Um, and so I think that's where, where this, maybe the frustration you hear from, from individuals like Tim and I is because we know that there's so much value to be unleashed and, and that we could be doing such great things and, and, and helping companies get better and, um, and, 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 you know, just like exponentially creating more career opportunities and, and doing really exceptional things. Uh, and for some reason, and, and, you know, there's probably different opinions and, and perspectives on why it is, um, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of just acceptance of the status quo. And since I haven't been deeply in many other industries, um, I don't quite know exactly. I can't speak to what's behind that. Having been mostly in, in the tech industry 
early on and then and then in aerospace and defense for the majority of my career um the clients need for technology innovation the marketplace is what pushed you know it's it, it was it was innovate or die um there was so much competition that um that 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 had to happen i think um because uh one of our i think mutual acquaintances lee odess often uses the term that uh, our our organ our, our industry values um uh how does he put it he uh, tenure over talent and so that there's this idea of the longer you're in the industry the better you are or the more you know versus someone who maybe comes out from outside of the industry or hasn't been long there as much but has the tenacity the curiosity and maybe the disruptive perspective to move us more more exponentially from stagnant to something other than that uh and so so that, that I, th I think that's where um you know where that where that perspective comes from is it's it's that i know there's this like stagnant brilliance that that is there and and hopefully uh conversations like this and perspectives like ours and and others that we interact with um can at least break free some of that and 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 help us uh, uh become a little bit better than we are today well here's the here's the good news jonathan the good news is whether you get there or not you will be disrupted if you don't continue <laughs> moving forward and uh true and that was one thing that that Jim Collins didn't mention in his book. He did mention that technology isn't necessarily the grand solution, but if it's ignored, it will be the grand disruptor. That's what I've learned over time. Yeah. Uh, let's let's yeah. go to this. This has been a great conversation. Where can I learn more about this approach to ESRM? Well, I think if you, uh, Tim and I did a, an ASIS webinar called decoding ESRM. Um, okay. So that's available. Um, I, I think for members, it's, it's, it's free. Um, if you just go to the website, uh, go to the ES uh, or ASIS online, um, that should be listed in, in recent webinars. I think that was back in July timeframe, Tim, if I recall, right. maybe so, mid August. So uh, great conversation members. Uh, we will post the link on that on the resource page. So great job, Jonathan. Um, any anything else that you would uh, uh, point them to from a resource model? Okay. Uh, there's been a couple books written uh, that give a, a pretty good walkthrough of not only the model but the mindset it should instill, and uh, examples of how it's worked out in business before. Um, and so you can look those up. Um, but really, it's just a practical practice. You know, doctors become doctors because they practice medicine. You need to practice security, not practice being right. Right. And who should I invite to the table next that you want to hear from in the great conversation? Hmm. I think uh, our friend Lee Otten would be an, an interesting discussion. Um, he, he's got a unique background, um, really great gregarious uh, friend of ours. Um, he's, he's in the executive protection and, and risk management but he's really all about um, helping others, um, uplifting um, people in the industry and, and, and uh, just a really unique perspective on everything. You know, military background, does a lot with um, 
um, uh, individuals recovering with PTSD and, and just really cool guy. Um, he, he, he's our favorite Australian who, who happens to live in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, I thought you said the favorite Australians who who's really British. He lives in, in New Mexico. Mexico. British, yeah, and lives in Mexico. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> He's the contrary guy. Also co-founder of the hashtag The Kindness Games. But another person you may want to bring on with Lee is uh, Sarah Mesquez. She is a, uh, a riser right now in the security industry. She just started the Innovation Nation podcast. And she has such an interesting perspective on all things security from the view of a young professional. I think that would be a great time. And how do you spell her last name? It is uh, M-U-Z-Q-U-I-Z. I'll send, her, I'll send you her LinkedIn profile. And this has been a great conversation with two gentlemen who always inspire me because of their energy, uh, their relentless pursuit. Did you hear that word? Relentless pursuit to get better. And uh, uh, guys, it's great knowing you. Thanks for a great conversation.